Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Hey, good morning. Good to be here. Good to see all your guys' bright and shining faces. Um, Today is Sunday. Right, it, it's also which I think is really cool because I like when like in the Jewish people we go by the lunar calendar which is the moon, but but our calendar's on the solar calendar which is the sun. But on Sunday it's Sunday, and on Sunday we're celebrating the sun, you know. And so I'm like, like you just put an O in it instead of a U, and I was like, hey, God's got it in control, and He kind of knows what He's doing. You know what I mean? You think you ever think you don't know what he's doing? You do, but not only are do we have Sunday, but we have baptism Sunday today. Isn't that awesome? So, so I'm excited about. Um, yeah. So I mean, and this isn't like baptize is way cooler than like you ever go to the carnival and you see these dudes sitting on the, and then you like throw a man. Being a pastor is so much better. Because, like, I don't even have to get a ball to dunk people, right? So I'm really loving being a pastor right now, you know? Anyway, we don't hold you down for more than five minutes, so you're all right. <laughs> so I um, hope you take scuba lessons and stuff like that. But we'll, we'll make it, we'll make it um, fun and exciting. Because this is a day to celebrate, right? Amen. It's a time to celebrate. Sunday's a day to celebrate. Monday's a day to celebrate, too. But this is the day that God has made. And so we're going to rejoice and be glad in it, right? And so um, let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for being so faithful to us. Thank you for just loving us and, and just being good to us. Father, I know there's so much going on in the world and so much going on around with people around us. And I, I just pray for your strength for them. I pray for wisdom. I pray for just just an encouragement to people's hearts and, and their spirits and their souls and just, just lift them up. And we thank you for that, Father. Holy Spirit, speak through me this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So I'm going to start off in Psalms. In Psalms 139. We've been talking about David, so now I'm going to go into a Psalm of David. And... Um, as messed up as David was, he still had a heart for God, right? Which gives me hope, because as messed up as I am, it means that God still has a heart for me, and he still loves me no matter what. He doesn't love us because of what we do. He, he loved us because of who we are. And, that, and that's the most important thing we can ever grasp from him, if we grasp anything. And it's the most important thing that we can grasp from David's life because if God ever changed his mind about you, he had every opportunity to change his mind about David. Now, he did change his mind about Saul, but Saul was a little bit different, right? Because he tried to do stuff in his own strength where David, when he, he's like, you know what? I've messed up. I blew it, you know? And so I love that about David. And so God never changed his mind about King David and he will never change his mind about you. It was set, right? It was so set. I'll read you about it. Read read to you about it here in a second. But you are so valuable and you're so important that David wrote this and David like had a he had like this unique relationship with God, man. 
for anyone else did, right? Everybody go and they'd sacrifice on the uh, sacrifice and, and do their stuff. But there was something about David that he wanted to connect with God personally. There was something about David that he had to connect with God personally, right? He had to, like, he's out there fighting the lion and the bear, man, and, and you need God, you know? I've never fought a lion or a bear, but I'm married, man. <laughs> you know, sometimes you need God, right? No, don't say amen, husbands. This is a bad time, right? Right? Or wives, for that matter, right? But sometimes you need God. And so here you are, you're going against the lion, you're going against the bear, and then he's like, that's no problem, I got God. And then you're like, well, I got that whooped, and I got this whooped, so I'll never have another problem. And then comes a giant. Then he gets a giant, hey, I killed a giant and cut his head off, and then I'll never have another problem. We're so used to life that we think that, that like everything's going to go smooth all the time. And it just doesn't. And if it did, we'd be bored. Right? If it did, we'd be in heaven. You hear what I'm saying? And so those challenges create opportunities for us to grow. Those challenges create opportunities for us to, to cultivate the greatness that God has put inside us and to bring us out of it. Like, do you ever get comfortable? Like, I get so comfortable sometimes. I'm like, and so, so if I've learned that if I don't stretch myself, God will. And so I'm like, that's okay with me too, God, because I don't want to just get into this routine because either you're going like this or you're going backwards. Like, it'll only sustain right here for so long. So I want to constantly be seeking God, constantly be moving in God, constantly be following what He is doing in my life, constantly stretching and growing where I'm at, not staying in the same place. Do you hear what I'm saying? We, we get the choice. We, we can either, either um, grow or be comfortable. Right? I like comfortable. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I love comfortable, but comfortable doesn't get anything accomplished and comfortable gets uncomfortable after a while like I sat in there watching the football games last night and you know they didn't even like my Oklahoma Sooners were pay-per-view can you believe that so so I had to sit there and watch the last end of some Oregon team beating the <laughs> Ohio State you know and watch these other teams and I was like I was like but I was getting sat in there I'm like I'm comfy I got this nice theater chair and a recliner but you know what I can only be comfortable in that so long. And then I have to move, or I have to set this way, or I have to do this way, or I've got to adjust the recliner. Even in something that comfortable, you think you would be comfortable. But you're not. So it's all a lie. You hear what I'm saying? It's our thought processes and stuff saying, if we can just get to where we're comfortable, we'll be all right. If we can just get to where everything's going smooth, we'll be all right. And God's like, no, he didn't call us here, Right? To just go along and get along and to just be smooth and just have everything be good. Those things in our lives that are attacking us and hitting us, the Bible or, or people say, well, that's going to tear you down and that's going to take you apart and that's meant to harm you. But God says, no, that's meant to accelerate you. Just like the lion and the bear for David, just like the giant for David, just like all those opposition for, for David. Not, not only David, remember Joseph. Right? He's standing before his brothers, and their brothers are like, we're so sorry we did this to you. And he's like, no, no, don't worry about it. He says, what you meant for evil, God meant for my good. And look what God did, and he saved the entire um, um, 
family of, of Jacob, right? So that's how powerful God is. So if we'll learn to say, you know something, God, I, it's uncomfortable times, but this is the times when greatness is born. And God created us for this time and for this season. And when we know we're created for this time and this season, guess what? He's not going to put us in a time that we can't handle. Right? He said he wouldn't put anything on our plate that we couldn't handle. And so, anyway, we can trust him to know that he's got us in, a, in his hand. And he's got our times in, in, his, in his hand. And he's got everything in, a, in, our, in his hands. Oh, he's just not the king of the universe. He's the creator of the universe. Now think about that. We're just thinking small. We're just thinking Snohomish or America or the world. Uh, like, guess there's a lot of stuff happening on Saturn that he already knows about. Right? But if you go to Saturn and you can go look as far as Saturn is from here and, there's not, and they're still going. Like when God spoke, scientists talk about this all the time. The universe is still expanding at an exponential rate. At the word of our daddy, our God, the king of the universe. Now think about that. One word from him, and it's still expanding like that. That's pretty big, man. That's got to give us a little bit of confidence to say, you know something? I can trust in you, Father. I can trust in what you're going to say. I can trust that I have value in you. And he created us to be who we are. And it's not no surprise to him. Right? And I'll prove it. Because here, David starts out with the omnipotence of God. And the um, omniscience of God. And there, there's fancy words for saying he's, he's all places and knows everything. Right? But he says this in Psalms 139, verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. Wait a second. Everybody's like, well, let's get to know God. Let's get to go know God, because God needs to know you. We're not getting to know God, because he needs to know us. He already knows everything about us. We're getting to know God, because... We get to know him. And as we grow, we learn that he's the creator of the universe and that, that he's powerful and that he's mighty and that he's everywhere and that he loves us and that he loves the people we don't like. Right? I'm still working with him on that one. Like, I just get a lightning boat and go, you know, hit their car or something, you know? And he never listens to me. He's like, that's my kid, too. I'm like, oh, man. It's not anything different. I grew up with three little sisters. Holy cow, Lord. It was rough, man, but I survived it. So there's a few times they wanted to hit me over the head with screwdrivers and other things, you know. But I survived, right? So it's not anything uncommon to that. But you're valuable, and God loves you, and he's for you. And so Psalms 139.1 says this, O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. Now think about this for one second. Like I was talking about being uncomfortable and then I'd get up and I'd move. I'd sit up here and move there. I was like, he knows when I get up and when I sat down. He knows when, when I move. One of the things I learned training horses is, when, is to feel that horse, man. 
And so one of the things I, I, I couldn't get it when I was younger. I was like, this is a waste of time. Just get on and go, you know? But then I learned the groundwork, and I'm like, wait a second. It's important to feel that horse and to know where it's putting its step and where it's going here. And when I get in tune with that on the ground, then I can get in tune with it in the saddle, and I know where that foot's going, and I know where his nose is going, and I know where everything else is going. And I know. And I know, and I can place that horse's feet wherever I need that horse's feet to go and that gives me security and that gives that horse security. You know what God's saying? I know where you're going to put your feet. The Bible actually says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. You know what he's saying? He's like, like wait, we're, who's righteous in here? Come on, raise your hands. Every one of you. How many know Jesus in here? How many are saved by the blood of the Lamb? Okay, everyone who didn't raise their hand, we're going to say a prayer. <laughs> Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Right? Yeah, no, that's okay. Yeah, we got to get him saved before he baptizes you, at least. Right? Where in the world am I going? I totally lost everything I was... Right? But, but God, you're righteous in Christ, right? The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. So, okay, who's righteous in here? <laughs> like, like, raise your hand. <laughs> right? He's like, now you've got to raise your hand where he's going to do an altar call again <laughs> in the middle of a service. That's not how we do it. No. I'm getting uncomfortable with this. Right? So, but the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord, and our righteousness is not of ourselves. Our righteousness comes from, from our Father God. I had to do that years ago. I had this, this dude come up to me, and he, was a, he wasn't an atheist. He was an agnostic, and he was trying to find God, and he was at this Bible study, and I walk in, and he, when I walk in, he, he's like, you're a cowboy, aren't you? And I was like... I was like, yeah. And he, he's like, are you the horse trainer? I was like, yeah. And he, he, he's like, would you put me in your round pen? And I was like, no. I won't put you in my round pen. Why would I put a human in my round pen? He goes, no, no, I don't mean like literally put me in your round pen. But he goes, I'm an agnostic. I don't believe in God. I believe there's something, but I'm not sure it's God. And I, would you be willing to meet with me? And I was like, well, sure, I'll do that. And so I met with him. He finally ended up accepting Jesus, but he had a real problem with, with re- realizing, you know, I found out that atheists and agnostics are very legalistic. Very legalistic. Just like some Christians and Jewish people and other people are too, right? Not just a pinhole or beat up on anyone. If you're atheist out there, God loves you. Right? But we're sitting there and we're he gives his heart to Jesus and he had a real problem thinking he was righteous thinking he had to earn everything and, and I was like you know what I want you to take some lipstick and he's like I don't have any lipstick I was like well that's good I was hoping you'd have to go buy it because we'd have another session to go on here right because he wasn't married right I was like I want you to write I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and every morning when you go in there I want you to read that and I want you to focus on that. And you know something? He started focusing on his righteousness in God. And God changed his life. Took him from losing his house. The, the house he was at was leasing. The people had um, 
had lost the house. It was during the big turndown in the early 2000s, you know, like 2005 to 8 or whatever, somewhere in there. And um, so they were losing their place, and um, he was renting from them. And so the bank's knocking on his door saying, hey, um, we're taking over this place, but um, he had no money to move out. And so he's like, what do I do? I was like, ask God. And he goes, I don't deserve it. I said, focus on your righteousness in him. And he did. And the bank knocks on the door and they say, hey, um, would you be willing to stay? And we'll even pay you to stay. And then when you get done staying, we'll pay you to move out. And if you'll clean it up and everything for us. And so he got to stay like extra 90 days or something. It was ridiculous. Got paid for it. And they paid him like ten or $11,000 to move out. So they didn't have to go through all the court stuff, you know, or whatever. But I was like, God, you're so good. And then God set him up, and he goes, I want a farm. You know what? God gave that dude a farm, you know? And so then his dad was an atheist, like not an agnostic, an atheist. And he was, he was sick and dying, and he went and talked to him. And he seen such a change and such a work of God in his young man, this young man's life that he ended up giving his heart to Jesus. So... One of the things we don't do is by realizing that we're righteous in, in Christ is we don't realize that we're qualified for all of God's blessings and we're qualified for all of God's love. And the Bible says that all of his promises are yes and amen. But if we don't understand that first step that we are righteous, not in our own selves, but in him, then we'll disqualify ourselves from those other things. God's not disqualifying us in any way, shape, or form. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Right? And so when he says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord, he's saying, I'm ordering your steps, not because you're good, but because I am. I'm making a way where there seems to be no way, not because you're good, but because I am. Do you hear what I'm saying? And now you're getting to see when he says he knows you and he looks at you, he's not looking at those mistakes in the past that we keep looking at. Now I'm meddling, ain't I? <laughs> he, he's not looking at when we messed up yesterday. He, like he knows we're going to mess up tomorrow too. Right? But he really sees us who we are. And if we can get to know him as he knows us, it will change our lives. Right? And that's pretty good news. So he says, I know when, when, when I sat down and I know when your eyes, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Like you, you just start thinking the thoughts. He knows our thoughts. Isn't that scary? Some of you are like, yay! Some of us are like, oh my gosh. And he knew that thought. Right? He knows our thoughts. Our thoughts are important. And that's another sermon. Another message down the road. Right? You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. He's saying, God, not only is he ever present, but he's all-knowing. And he's also all-powerful. He says this, you hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. What do you mean you hem me in? It's like, is he so? No, it's like, like, like when we go to get cattle, you know what we do is we hem them in. 
we get them in a spot. Like, like we got them protected. You're surrounded, right? There's a song that says, 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 it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may seem like all hell's breaking loose. It may look like everything's against you and everyone's against you and everything's against you. But I'm telling you that even when you feel like you're surrounded, we're surrounded by him. We're surrounded by God who loves us and is for us and has designed us and created us and knows everything about us. He's not trying to beat us up. He's trying to reveal himself to us and then reveal us to ourselves as he sees us. That's powerful. That's so powerful it'll change our lives if we're not careful. Mess around with Jesus and he'll mess your life up for the good. Right? Sometimes it don't seem like it's good. But I was thinking of that him and in. You ever feel hemmed in? You know, sometimes you feel like you're between a rock and a hard place. Am I the only one that's ever felt like that? Man, dude, I just got an extra 26, 27 horses overnight. I don't think sometimes I don't feel like you get hemmed in. It's like, yay, I got horses. Oh, yay, they eat and poop. Can I say poop in church? I just did. Sorry if I can't. Right? So, so, yay, there's a lot more to it than just getting horses, right? So it seems like a blessing, but sometimes you can get overwhelmed, and sometimes you can feel hemmed in. You hear what I'm talking about? And so when you, you get that hemmed in feeling, and you feel like you're, you're in a bad place, and there's nowhere to go, you're like, yeah, I'm the only one who's ever gone through this. And guess what? No, we, we've all been there. And I know there's a lot of people right now that are feeling hemmed in for various reasons. And my prayers and my heart is with them. But I want to start in Exodus because I want to read something to you here. And it's in Exodus 14, verse 1, and it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi." between Migdal and the sea they are to encamp by the sea direct, directly opposite to Baal Zephon okay now you're like so what does that have to do so now we're, we're seeing the great all these plagues that come upon on Egypt and, and then they put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of their house right it's just like we put the blood of the lamb of Yeshua, of Jesus, over the doorpost of our hearts, and we're saved. And so the Bible actually says that the death angel had to pass over. My, my wife's Nana always says when this comes, comes about, is like because of that Passover, because of the blood of the Lamb, it has to pass over you. You hear what I'm saying? They had all kinds of things happening, right? That's another message. i got to get moving. And it... Anyway, so here they are. They're, they're free, right? They get up the next morning and they're free. The Bible says that they left. Not one was lame. Not one was feeble. And here they're going out and they're dancing and woohoo, we're free, right? And they're heading up this coast, heading up the Red Sea. And they get almost like a good way portion up the Red Sea, head where they're going. And God says, I want you to turn back and I want you to go to this place. And it's called, called, actually called the mouth of freedom, but it's actually the mouth of the gulf where three gulfs come together. And that's where God said, I want you to come down here. And as you come through, there's only one way in and there's only one way out. And that way out, guess where that is? That's the Red Sea. There's only one place 
that the enemy can't chase you. And it's the one place that we're afraid to go so much of the time. Because it's uncomfortable and it stretches us and it makes us vulnerable. Where's God calling you? What's God putting in your heart? What's God, God talking to you about? So here, they're on their way to freedom. Like, they're going up and they're going to go scoot out. And God says, nope, turn around and go back down. So they turn around and they go back down. And it's not just like a few miles, man. It's a little bit of a walk. And so they go down and they come through this. Through, the, through this. It's, like a, it's almost like they're hemmed in. It's almost like an alley. And then it opened up to, to the Red Sea. And it's beach, man. So here, it says that, I want to remind you here, that it says, then the Lord said to Moses. Like Moses wasn't out there wandering and got lost. He, he wasn't out there saying, gee, I don't know what I'm going to do. But God said, I want you to do this. So now it says this, and he said this, Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around in the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. You ever feel like you're hemmed in by just sparseness? Like nothing around you? Maybe you can't feel God, can't connect with people. Your whole life, everything's hemming you in and you have to make choices because life's telling you to make those choices rather than what you want to do. That's where they were at. They're hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. Whoa, wait a second, God. Like, this ain't how I wrote it when, when we were going around, right? It's like, so now you're going to have us turn back, and you're going to put us in a spot where we're vulnerable. There's no other place we can go. And, and now you're going to fa- harden Pharaoh's heart because he's going to come after us. And watch. It didn't say Pharaoh hardened his heart. It said God did. And he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Whoa, what? The Egyptians will know that I'm the Lord. Wait a second. Shouldn't they know already? You know what? God was so concerned with even the Egyptians that he made a point before he set them to their freedom for them to turn around and come back to a place. That's pretty big. Still not my message. i got to hurry. <laughs> and the Egyptians will know that I'm God. So the Israelites did this. And when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the, the king, Pharaoh king of Egypt so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians all the Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites. See, I got a bone to pick with God about that. He could have saved the horses. <laughs> horses and, and the troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them. And as they camped by the sea near Pi Ha'ira, 
opposite of Belzephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. And they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Why is, why, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Time out. Like they were slaves for 400 and some years. Right? They seen God bring them out of slavery with his mighty hand, right? He brought them out not only with plague by plague by plague, and then they seen the death of the firstborn of all the Egyptians, and then they seen the blood on the doorpost of their house, and they were gone, man. They were out. They were set out to be free. See, all, the, all Moses was asking for them to go out and have a time to worship, but they said, Pharaoh's like, no, 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 you can't even do that. And they're like, fine, we'll be free so we can choose what we want to do. And that's what I love about our country, too. For the freedom we have that's given by God. Right? So here, that's another message, too. Man, I'm getting like all these messages. It's just someone, I just rewatch this and take notes, right? But here, here, they're like, get to this place. I get to this place in my life. In fact, I probably was there a few times this week, too, going through some certain things that were hitting me where I was like, why'd you do that for? Like, I know you did it, but now you did it. Now I got an obstacle. And then I'm learning as I go, just as I learned from them, just because it's an obstacle doesn't mean that, that God didn't give us an ideal. Just because he didn't give us that thing. Like, I'm sure the giant was an obstacle for David. Right? Don't judge what God's called you to do by the opposition that's facing you. Because you'll never get anything done. So here, here they are. They're all sad in Egypt. And what have you done? You brought us out to die, bringing us to Egypt. Did we say to Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better. No, it wouldn't have been better because they didn't know what God had in mind. So Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground, and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will go after them, and I will gain the glory through Pharaoh and all his, and his army, through his chariots and horsemen. Egyptians, I will know that I am the Lord, wherein I gain glory from Pharaoh and his chariots and horsemen. So, guess what? <clears throat> I want to read this one more time. I love this, because it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the Red Sea and divide the water so that the Israelites can go through on, on dry ground. Now, you're like, Pastor James, this is Baptism Sunday. Why are you talking about the Red Sea? Because everything ties together, right? We see Jesus getting baptized, and John the Baptist is, is out baptizing. You look up in Matthew chapter 3, right? 
Jesus did it. That's a good reason to, to do it. And baptism wasn't isn't new. It wasn't new. It was called the mikvah. It's something that was in the Jewish people were doing for for years, right? Before the priests would go in the temple, they would go into the mikvah. The women would go in the mikvah and cleanse themselves. So it wasn't something that was unusual. But what was unusual was what John was saying to them. Now, if John lives today, he would be in Facebook jail. <laughs> he would be banned from Twitter. Right? They cut his head off. Right? So, so he wasn't PC at all. In fact, by the way, he called the Pharisees, John the Baptist called the, the Pharisees a brood of vipers, and so did Jesus. Right? Neither one of them were wimps. Right? That's another story. Right? But here John's baptized, and he comes and he baptizes Jesus. And the Bible says when Jesus went under, he went under, and when he come up, he went above the water. Like the Bible says that. He literally floated above the water and a voice from heaven come and said, this is my beloved son. Now think about that. There's power in that. Now for Jesus, he, he wasn't, uh, he had no sin in him, right? So, but he, he wasn't going to do something and have you not do it, right? Or have you do something that he wouldn't do. So what does it mean? So here we go back to Exodus and you got the Passover lamb, which represents our salvation. Now, we get our salvation, but then you're like, well, that's the end of it. Sometimes that, there's stuff that's chasing us from our past that we don't think we can get away from. Sometimes there's things that feel like bondage that we don't think we can get away from. Guess what happened? The Red Sea is kind of like um, it's a representation of baptism. Because see, that thing that was enslaving them, that thing that was holding them back, that thing that was trying to kill them, guess what happened to it? It got destroyed in the water. There's pieces of us. When, when we were baptized, what we're really saying is, I die to myself and I give my life to you, Lord. So, so you go down and you're like, I'm dying to, to all the old stuff and I'm giving you everything I am and everything I ever want to be. And when you come up, he's like, great. He's like, like I'm going to take you greater places than you ever dreamed. And you'll have new life and life more abundant. Now, when they got out... They had to walk with God, right? So just because we get baptized doesn't mean we're not walking with God, right? So, and it doesn't mean everything is going to be perfect, right? God still got promises for us, and He still got things for us to go through. But I find it, it awesome because this is read these words again, and then it'll put it in perspective because Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You know, there's things that are attacking you. God says, you won't see them again. Not because you took care of them, but because I did. Isn't that good news? So, Father, we thank you for your word. We just praise you. And just soak that in us. And let us know how great you are and how great the redemption uh, of, that you brought us is. And we give you the praise for that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.